0: Shut up, and sit down.
1: Welcome, welcome, everybody, to episode 282 of Third Shift. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Mr. Eric, the god of all. That's what Tom tell me. You know, I, I'm humble. I don't, I don't take it, but, you know, that's what they say. And with me today is the inglorious bastard himself, the psycho man, the psychomantis. You know what I'm saying? It's Mr. Matt, except it's not true. It is not true. We told you last week. We said me and Matt we're going to be on this weird, crazy noon tax end schedule, but we're both on the same nighttime schedule. So we're going to be sipping coffees, having a good old time, eating some crumpets, some scones, etc., and having an episode for the first time in the daytime. It didn't happen. Because, of course, everything goes wrong in this world. That's just the way it is. Matt got flipped around. He had to go right back to days after doing one day of nights. And I am here still on the nighttime shifts, which, oh, my gosh, I won't go too long on it. But I'll tell you, the folks out there in the world who do them 1 o'clock to 11 o'clock shifts or whatever, you know, them types of things, I don't know how you do it more power to you. I'm glad there's people out there who want to do it and take those slots because I do not like it one bit. I have to get up early in the morning, help my children get around, take them to school, help the wife get out the door. And then I sit in purgatory waiting, counting down the minutes until I have to go to work. And I have almost no fun, no fun at all. You'd think, hey, there's no kids, no, no wife, no nothing. You do whatever you want. Nah, it just doesn't feel right. It's not great. Plus, you also know that you're not seeing the kids and wife, so you know that's some pent up badness right there. It's a, it's a terrible thing, folks. You know what? I love the eight to four thirties, eight to fives. I think everybody should just work a normal shift, or hey, no work at all. I don't want you. Know, why do we gotta work? It's crazy. It's crazy. But anywho's, enough with that. Matt, you know how we do. How was your week, good sir? What's been going on? We know it's been busy. That's for sure.
0: There's no need for words, Eric. I'm Psychomantis! That's right. This is no trick. It's true power! <coughs> anyway, <coughs> sorry, sorry, sorry about that, folks. Uh, yes, <laughs> it has been a busy week. It's been a frustrating week because we were supposed to be sitting here in our, our our smoking jackets with our feet up, drinking some coffee, drinking some brandy, doing the good thing. But we're not doing the good thing. I mean, he did the good thing and now I'm here doing the good thing as well without him. So it's just, it's not that good of a thing. It's an okay thing. But hey, man, I have had a good week on the video game front because, oh boy, Eric has been out. He's been He's been out of action. So Friday night, Instead of a co-op Borderlands night, I did a solo Borderlands night in Deep Rock Galactic, baby. I was drinking beers. I was being a dwarf. I was mining that stuff. I was shooting them bugs. I was helping those dudes. I was getting abandoned. As everyone else ran back to the drop pod for extraction, they left my ass in the dark. And I was very sad. But, I mean, it was mostly my fault because I got turned around and then I fell down a pit. But still, you come back for your boy. You come back and do it. I've done it for strangers the whole way through. What a great Friday night. Fantastic times of Deep Rock Galactic. I love that game so much. It's just that I don't play it every single day because I feel like if I did that like nonstop, I would eventually get tired of it. So now I want to space it out. Every few days I'll play some Deep Rock when I'm feeling like man I just nothing else will just do I go in there, and I be a dwarf. I go up on that ship, and I buy a round of beers for the dudes. I'm getting achievements up on the ship. I mean trophies, because I'm playing on the PlayStation. I'm goofing around. I'm having fun. And just, wow. What a great game, and I got it for free. And you can play it for free on Game Pass. You don't even have to play it on PlayStation. Anyway, look. I did that all before. Another game I played the ever-loving Christmas out of, Sunset Overdrive. Jumped back into that. I mean, I've been playing it bits and bops here and there had a nice big long play session, finally beat it. And just, I really want to talk about some of the stuff that happens towards the end of that game, but I don't want to spoil any of the visual gags. I will say there's a great one right at the end of the game. And I can't say anything else about it. It made me laugh so hard and it made me appreciate Insomniac so much more. Uh, Man, what a great game they made. I still haven't touched even, like, half of the stuff in there. You know, so many side missions, so many collectibles I can still do, so many more achievements I can still get. But I feel like I'm going to put it down for now, because otherwise, like I mentioned, it was either last week or the week before, something about the collectibles in that makes me want to collect every single one of them. And there are so many. And I don't just want to do that. I want to play other games like Dandy Ace. After I did the podcast last week, went and played some more Dandy Ace. That's the Hades-like dungeon-crawling, roguelite, kind of magic-themed one. I'm getting to so many bosses, and I'm absolutely getting wrecked by them. I will say the one thing that maybe I don't like about it so much is that it relies so much on, like, your reaction to what the enemies do. Because each enemy has a tell for what they're about to do, but when you're trying to manage a whole room full of enemies, like, one of them, their attack is that they open up, like, an energy ball underneath your feet. And you have, like, a split second to get out of there once you see it down there. When I'm also looking at the other enemies across the screen to see what they're doing, sometimes I miss what I'm doing, or, you know, I'm trying to manage three other attacks, and then that other guy kind of walks into his attack range, and then... I have a split second, and I miss it. And missing health in this game is a problem, but still a ton of fun. Love that game. Another game that I've kind of gotten back into, and I would still say I love... Scarlet Nexus, (laughs) I think the problem with it is, though, whenever I, I do like a big story mission and it goes to the you're hanging out with your buddies part, I always save before I hang out with the buddies. So anytime I am sitting here going, what game should I play? I should play some Scarlet Nexus. Here I go. I boot it up and it's not time for story mission and action. It's time for hanging out with the buddies. And that part is great. But when I start up the game, I want to do the action. But I guess the other problem is when I'm done with the action, I want to, I'm want i ready to be done with the game, so I need to, <laughs> I need to find a way to either think, okay, it's, I'm going to start it up and hang out with the buddies, or I need to go after the story mission. I need to hang out with the buddies and then save so next time I can just jump into action. But the game is still fun. I still enjoy the characters. I enjoy the twisty, windy story. I just have to find a, a decent pace for myself to get back into it. And speaking of getting back into it, that's the last two games that I played this week. One of them, why do I, why do I keep doing this? Why do I do this? If Eric was here, he would, he would shake his head and he would go, oh, God, because I went on Game Pass again to see what the latest and greatest was. And the, the recently added games, there wasn't anything that I added to my library, and I went, okay, well, what about in my Play Later queue? i got to add something, because I just get that itch every now and then. It's, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like buying a new game, except since I already paid for Game Pass, all these games are free. So when I add them to my library, I think, all right, I've got this new game. But every time I go into that Play Later queue to find something, a certain game sticks out. And it always sticks out. And I always tell myself, you deleted this game for a reason because it's too easy. And you told yourself you weren't going to download it again the last time you deleted it. So I looked at that game, and I had that conversation with myself. And then I downloaded Monster Train again, and I played through a run, and I got through it and completely beat the last boss and everything. No problems whatsoever. And I went, golly! I delete this every time because it's so easy. And yes, you can turn on the big hard modifiers, but, you know, I'm still unlocking the different factions, the different champions I played through with the... I can't even remember now, the plant people as my main champion this time instead of the support and then had the Stygians as the support. So I'm unlocking all kinds of new units, all kinds of new spells, having a lot of fun, but then I I beat it on that run. I didn't have to work hard. I just took these two units that work well together and I put them in the same room. And then I got these other units that as soon as you activate a spell in that floor of the train, they both get buffed. So I put those two together and I buffed them all the time and they shredded everything and I won. And then it went, you did it. Wow. Here's your rewards and things and you unlocked some more stuff. And I went, God, but it's just so easy. But I didn't delete it. I left it on the console because as we've found out, as we know, Apparently, I would just download it again anyway, so why even bother deleting it? So it's there. But in the aftermath of that, I went, Man, you're gonna do this forever. You're gonna say no monster train, you're gonna get monster train, you gotta play some monster train. You're gonna say no monster train, get monster train, play it, get good. Blah blah blah. Why don't you make some progress in a game you haven't touched in a long time? And I started up Death's Door, not started up, but I opened up Death's Door. Well, that even that sounds really cool. Wow, good job, me. But I started playing Death's Door again and I got to the, the Frog King boss fight and getting there, ooh, man, it was sometimes a struggle. And getting past there, ooh, man, it sometimes was a struggle too because some, some of those challenge rooms you have to do to unlock the big door that you go through and then eventually fight the Frog King boss, some of those combat challenges are nuts because the combat in this game is brutal. But I think I've said it before. If I haven't, I'll say it here. If I have, I'll say it again. This is one of the best Zelda games I've ever played. It gives me all those 2D Zelda vibes in this kind of 2.5D sort of 3D kind of world. But it gives me all those old school Zelda vibes, and I just love it. I can't wait to see what's around the next corner. I can't wait to see the next goofy boss I'm going to fight. And just like with the Frog King, encounter him throughout his stage, just like with the Urn Witch. Laugh at his goofy antics fight him in this big, cool boss fight, beat him and take his soul, because that's your job, and then feel exceptionally bad as the gravedigger comes and gives kind of a eulogy for the boss, and I go, oh, man, what have I done? So that has been fantastic and wonderful, and I love playing that game. And every time I play it, it's the inverse of Monster Train. I go, man, I need to play this more. And then the next day, I don't feel like playing Death's Door. I won't feel like playing... You know something flashy or goofy, and then it kind of just trips into the backlog. And then I play it again, and I go, wow, I need to play this more. So I think I'm going to play it more. I'm going to try and do it. That's, that's what I'm going to try and do. But I think that's it for my week, Eric. What about your week, my friend? Tell us tell us all about the good times you've been having, sir. Well,
1: man, man, I don't know. Sounds like you got an easy life over there. I'll tell you what. I'm glad you had some fun. I'm glad you did some things. I'm glad that you're at work enjoying yourself so much. I have been doing the same. I have been going to work. And as I just ranted for a second with that crazy schedule, that's what I've been up to. I have been watching tons of anime because it feels like the only thing that I really want to do which is just stare at something mindlessly and wait for the clock to slowly tick down to going to work. But I did break from that just a little bit because you got to. And I did play some Ori and Will of the Wisps. I'm getting uh, pretty far in there. I'm not sure where the heck I am, you know, in terms of like towards the end or whatever. I'm having a good time with it. Uh, mild spoilers though, I reached a point where you meet back up with one of your friends that you lost. And they did something I hate in games, and that's they took away all of your abilities up to that point for, and it was just for a short time, just for, you know, a few minutes or whatever, but I don't like that. Uh, when a game, especially, in the, you know, this Metroidvania-type game, how it works is they, you know, well, they strip you the abilities and you gain them back, or you just don't have them in the first place, but then you get all these different abilities as you progress, which allows you to go backtrack, go do the cool things. You know, the, you know the story. You become accustomed to them. As you get them, they become a part of your natural movements. You know, the double jumps, the triple jumps, the backflips, the wall climbing, the, the zooms, the dashes, etc. And then when, in the middle of all that, they're like, oh, let's take all that away. And now you have to do this this scene or this boss or this event without those abilities. I don't, I don't feel that that's fair because they've up until now teaching you and getting you used to these new abilities and challenging you to use them more and more. And then they strip them and now you got to do something without it. And then you get it back, and it's just not a big fan of it. It was only for a minute, so I'm not going to say that, like, hurts the game in any real way. But I did want to gripe about it just for a second. But the environments, the characters, the events, the way everything's unfolding, super cool. I'm so stoked to get to this next boss that I know is coming, because I I think it's going to be a real big, awesome event. Looking forward to it. I was surprised by a previous boss that was in the windmill, I was expecting, you know, you're just typical boss fight kind of deal, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Had such a good time with it. Can't wait to see what the rest of this game has for me. But I gotta get back in the mood of playing games over just watching anime and doing nothing. So that's the challenge. And then of course, lastly in the game world, I was playing Nobody Saves the World. I was originally gonna save this and play it after I, you know, played it through uh, Metroid Dread, which I haven't touched all this week because it's in the basement and right now I can't really go into the basement. Um, and then, of course, I was also playing, what the hell is I playing on the Nintendo Switch? It was Metroid Dread and, uh, something else. Oh, gosh. Shin Megami Tensei Five. See, that's how long I, <laughs> I haven't been down playing those games. But anyways, I didn't do it. I had to step in. I had to get in a little bit of game time with it. And so I've been playing that some more. And I, I really like it. I'm a little nervous, though, because you get so many different characters and like i said i don't know if it's like 14 15 and each of them has several different abilities and then you can take those abilities and you can customize them with other characters to create like you know perfect characters in a scenario which i enjoy i find fun however it's not as easy as i thought to get those abilities uh skill sets up you got to really grind and it takes time to get them usually your first one's pretty quick but then it, it ain't so easy after that. Because to level them up, you have to complete their little subtasks. And it'll some of them are, you know, challenging. Some of them are ridiculous. Like, for example, the horse. I do not like this horse. You The only way to attack is by a back kicking. So you have to think opposite, of course. Every time you're in an engagement, you have to make sure you're turned around. And you got to hold, like, the, the positional button so that the horse doesn't turn around when you're moving forward or whatever. So you can attack. It doesn't flow naturally. So I'm having a hard time doing the special task for the horse to get the horse's skill sets up because there might be an instance in a dungeon or a baddie or whatever because as you'll learn later and nobody saves the world, the baddies have uh, these different attributes. So you might have to use poison to break through the the immunity shield on this baddie before you can do any damage. Uh, Sometimes it requires like a stomp or something like that. And that naturally makes you want to get all the uh, different characters' abilities in case there's a scenario where you have to use, uh, say, the horse's back kick or whatever the case may be, and that puts pressure on you. But I don't like that character. I don't really want to level up. I'm sure there's workarounds, but I'm not far enough in yet to see, you know, that there's going to be other characters that can do the exact same thing that maybe uh, fit the glove more for what I like to do and how I like to play. So right now I'm just like frantically kind of going back and forth through the the environments just kind of grinding a bit trying to level up these characters to get all their skills and of course once you level them up to a certain degree you unlock the they unlock uh two more characters or one more character and then you can be that one and then do the same exact thing. So it's really cool but it's kind of stressful because I'm I'm trying to Figure out what's going to be most important, where I'm going, what characters I might like, what—just a whole jumble of things. And it's like, okay, you said you were going to wait on this because you wanted to be able to focus and put the time into it, but instead, here I am with like four or five games. I'm juggling with, of course, the big ones in February coming up pretty soon. So we'll see where it goes. I don't want to stop playing it because it's really not The graphics are great. Music's fun. Uh, the dialogue's great. I'm having a good time chuckling here and there with all sorts of the nonsense that Drinkbox brings. Y'all know the way that Drinkbox does it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, real life, I already told you I'm working and it sucks. Uh, stuff like that. I didn't really go to the, see any shows, do any movies, didn't really go anywhere. Nothing special. So that's it. That's been my week. It's been glorious. And I hope next week is way better than this week. And I hope we can just get to February and end the month of January. All
0: right, so now I wasn't sure if Eric was going to prep a release or if he was going to prep a topic or what we were going to do because, again, we're in two totally different time zones, essentially. But I prepped up two mini releases for you guys. First up on the releases this week, I do what I always do. I went on Metacritic and I went recent video game releases and it says here's the new releases. And I went scrolling down And a word stuck out to me in the the title of this game, Reverie Night Tactics. And I went, wait, 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 tactics, tactics. And I looked at the tiny title screen image that they put right next to it, and it looked like a pixel art game. And I went, pixel art and tactics. And then I read the little description and said, oh, a turn-based tactical RPG. And I went, oh my God, clickety, clickety, clackety, clack. And I looked it up and I learned all about it. Referee Knight's Tactics takes place in a a fantasy world where you are the the daughter of an adventurer who's gone missing. So you're going out to find out what's going on in this world where there's a brewing or ongoing conflict between orcs and elves. So kind of basic from a plot overview perspective. And the battles are indeed tactics-based. They're on a grid. You're moving your units around. You're casting spells. You're using items. You're attacking, doing all that stuff. But then the story segments play out in sort of a visual novel style, where you got characters on either side talking to each other, and you can actually make some decisions in these areas by choosing, just like one of the best games ever made, choosing between order and chaos-themed options, and those options as you... Choose one or more of the other, it will begin to affect your character. During level ups you'll have an order and a chaos skill, and maybe as you get more order, then you can't choose that chaos skill. If you lean more to the chaos, then you can't get the order skills. And that will also affect how other characters view you. If you're, you know, straight going down the order path, maybe people are gonna love that you're making logical decisions, but they don't like you being so straight laced all the time. If you're going down the chaos tree, you're you're impulsive. You're kinda people are gonna respect you to make decisions on the fly, but they might think you're kind of, kind of careless and just kind of going by the seat of your pants. So some interesting things there. I've heard good stuff about the music too, but the thing that kind of, it's kind of really hit and miss for me is the presentation and the graphics, because it's completely like a hand-drawn characters, hand-drawn world. Some of it looks really fantastic, like the backdrops of those visual novel scenes look awesome. The characters look really nice in there. But when you get to the battle screen, something about it, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but it's the only way I can express what I mean. Some of it just looks like a flash game. Or when they go into the menus and you're moving your equipment around and stuff, it just feels like a flash game to me. And it's not its not terrible. It doesn't look bad. It's kind of my same issue with the this sort of a side tangent. But like the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters. When I look at the menus of those or some of the character sprites, it looks like a Flash game. It doesn't look like the finely crafted, detailed thing that these backgrounds and these characters definitely are. But then they go into the battle screen and it just... I don't know, something about it puts me off a little bit. But if you are in the market for some tactical RPGness ness or a little bit of visual novel style along with that, with some choices and decision-making, definitely check it out. It's pretty cheap, I believe. It's like... 20 bucks, 25 bucks. So definitely check that out. And then my other mini release. It's another one that I'm kind of hit and miss on. It's Windjammers 2. This is a sequel to the Neo Geo original that I had never played or heard about until it was re-released like on the Switch and all the other systems not too long ago. But this is a head-to-head sports action kind of game where you are one character defending a goal on your side of the court or whatever, and you're throwing a disc across to your other opponent's side of the court, trying to score it in their goal. So at the very, very basic level, yes, this is Pong or air hockey. On the very basic level, that's what this is. You're playing head-to-head with either the computer, an online opponent, or a local co-op friend. And the thing that makes it different is it's got that Streets of Rage 4 kind of visual style, bright cartoony kind of graphics really detailed characters and animations and each of those characters has special powers you can use. Some characters have like a big fire trail where it bounces all around across the walls on the way to the goal. Some characters can like leap up and grab the disc and throw it down. It's one of those games where you got to see it in action and when you see two skilled players playing some wind jammers or wind jammers 2 here in this case it scratches that itch of just like I want to get this and I want to play against some people and I want to get totally stopped because I'll inevitably be way worse than them especially if I'm playing online but there's something about it and the ultimate simplicity of it because pong you can play with anybody everybody understands it air hockey is the exact same way since that's basically what this is there's that basic level of understanding with it where if you could just play with somebody who's on your level i think this could be a ton of fun it really makes me want to get it and be terrible but i've played pong over netcode with friends before and you think yeah it's just pong who cares we got 70 hour rpgs and things But there's something about that one-on-one. It's simple and it's fun. And that's what Winjammers 2 is here. Now the only thing I've heard bad about it is there's kind of a dearth of content, especially in just single-player mode. There's an arcade mode where you run through all the other characters, and that's kind of it. You do have some different arenas where you play in that have different rules or different blockers kind of in the middle of the stage where you can bounce the disc off of and do some trick shots and things. But other than that, this is made for you getting it and you playing it with a buddy or Strangers Online. So if you're into that kind of thing, definitely check out Windjammers 2 or check out the original on all its re-releases and have yourself a great time. So those are two mini-releases for me because I wasn't sure what we were going to do. <laughs> we we're going to have releases? Are we not? Hey, uh, we're... we're Using my Psycho Mantis powers, I can feel that Eric has a release for us. Eric, tell us, what is your game this week?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked, Matt. My game of the week is Pokemon Legends Arceus. I think that's how it's pronounced. Arceus, Arceus, I don't know, who knows. It's out for the Nintendo Switch as of January 28th, so as you're listening to this, it'll be in a few hours, and if Matt gets it up tonight, or it'll be right now. You can go get it right this second and buy it and play it and have a great time with it. This one's an interesting title because it's a uh, Game Freak, of course, taking the Pokemon old archetype in a different direction. Up to now, it's always been just your basic uh, turn-based RPG for the most part. You know, they did go a little bit crazy with Let's Go Eevee, Let's Go Pikachu, that kind of thing. But generally, it was the same. Here, they took a uh, an open-world kind of vibe to it. All right, It's not quite like Zelda Breath of the Wild. There are different zones, but each zone is pretty large and does give you the freedom to move around and do all sorts of fun stuff. And this takes place in the Sinnoh region in the past so your pokeballs are all primitive they're made out of like wood and and you know little puffs of steam as it said when you capture these pokemon and what's neat is but that the villages that you're in the pokemon are considered like wild animals monsters etc whereas you know in the future they can be friendly and pets here that's not the case you're trying to go out there and of course discover and figure out what makes these pokemon tick so in essence you're discovering the Pokemon for the first time and creating the Pokedex for the first time. And to do that, you end up joining the survey team, the survey crew in your village, and you get uh, these little pamphlets and sheets, and you go out into the world with your Pokeballs, and you can either fight Pokemon with your Pokemon, which, typical Pokemon fashion, you'll get a few to start, and then you go out there and you, you start rocking and rolling. You can throw your Pokemon down near the Pokemon you want to catch, you'll go into your cool, typical Pokemon battle, where you got to you go... Know, Freaking figure out, oh, is he weak to wind, fire? You know the drill to Pokemon and beats said Pokemon, at which time Pokemon goes into your Pokeball. Then you get him and it, it'll go into your Pokedex. Boop, that you got this. But every time you get a Pokemon, it gives you subtasks. So now to actually fill the Pokedex out properly, you have to fulfill the subtasks for each of these Pokemon. So now you got to use them in a certain amount of battles, you got to catch a certain amount. There's different tasks, etc., that you can do to get these Pokemon Pokedexes uh, filled out. And that's kind of the main gist of this game. You're going out in this open world environment. You're discovering and finding Pokemon. You're capturing them. You're doing these different subtasks to fulfill the Pokedex's whole, you know, uh, the whole Pokedex out, basically. And then while you're doing that, you're meeting the chiefs and leaders and... Characters of interest from all these different villages as you go around. And they have their own little stories, and their own little things. You can do Pokemon battles with them. You'll have to in some cases. You know, It's a typical Pokemon type story. But from what I hear, there's less characters. There's only like 12 or so main characters. But you'll spend more time with them. You'll get to know them a lot better. So that's pretty cool in my book. Uh, the graphics wise, Nintendo Switch, it's, it is what it is. It, it does look nice. But it's definitely not you know anything you're going to see with, for example, Horizon Forbidden West or anything like that. So don't expect it. Uh, there are some frame rate issues that you're going to find, that kind of thing. But I don't think people want, that love Pokemon and that are on the Switch care about any of that. And I don't think it's going to really be anything that's going to affect your choice in getting this game. So I'd recommend you get out there and check it out. Also, when you're out there, if, like in Let's Go Eevee, etc., if you don't want to fight Pokemon, there's many instances where you can just sneak in instead and just throw the Pokeball at them and boom, you catch them. So you don't even have to fight in most cases to get all these Pokemon. You can do it the sneaky route, but there's going to be an occasional time where you screw up and you're going to fight or, you, you know, I'm sure there's bosses, etc., which there are. Uh, I hear tell there's like, spe- you know, the special God tier Pokemon. There's also like uh, crazy frantic Pokemon, with red eyes, they're all bananas. If This sounds cool to you. If you're interested in Pokemon, I'm hearing it's pretty good. I'm hearing you're going to have a good time with it, which people were nervous about this, as I mentioned earlier in the beginning. But it's starting to look like it uh, shaped up to be a really good Pokemon game. So if you want an open, more open world Pokemon game where you kind of can just traverse the environment, grinding away, catching your favorite Pokemon, completing subtasks, building up your favorite crew that can just take down anything and anyone, meeting some cool characters, you know the drill. Get yourself in to Pokemon Legends Arceus. Out now, Nintendo Switch. Thank you, Game Freak, and of course, Nintendo for making this happen. Being that this is a weird episode, being that I have no idea what Matt wants to talk about or what he's doing because we're so far away and we're just all by our little old selves, I thought this would be a perfect little opportunity to bring up Horizon Forbidden West again, probably for the last time until I actually start playing it. Because IGN got themselves a first hands-on preview where they got a whole bunch of little snippets of gameplay and they were talking to some of the developers, etc. about what the heck this game's trying to do this time around. So I was like, you know what? Let me watch this and let me see what it's all about. And boy, oh boy, I'm telling you, you all know I love Horizon. You all know I was already in from the word go. But watching this new gameplay, watching what they're trying to do has me so stoked. Because in this one, they want to make sure that traversal, that combat, that everything, that the the relationships with the characters, everything is more intense, more in there, more detailed. And let me tell you, so far what I'm seeing, they did it. They knocked it out of the park. I'll start real quick with the facial animations. There was definitely something in the first Horizon that was a little bumpy here and there. There were some characters where or their facial animations and the way they moved was fine, but there were definitely some characters where they weren't sinking up right. They seemed slow. They seemed sluggish. They seemed weird. They seemed like those weird AI robots that just aren't quite on, on top of it. This time around, Aloy and the crew, anytime they're talking or looking at each other, the animations and the expressions look real. They feel real. They feel like those are actual people with emotions doing things. So just out of the gate that made me super happy and I'm feeling really good about it because it does take away from the experience when the character's animations are all funky and janky. You just you disengage. You instantly like all right this character's a clown or whatever. This time around I think they're gonna nail it. And I think that's gonna make me enjoy this game all that much more. Now the big one, the big, 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 big change here that I don't know if they're gonna succeed or not, but they're talking about is combat. In the first one, it was kind of willy-nilly. You used just whatever you could uh, to make things happen. You know, I would just set up a bunch of traps, lure a bunch of enemies into it, just start shooting all sorts of different kinds of arrows at them. Whatever worked is what I did. And there's nothing wrong with that. I had a great time with that. But this time they said they want to make it so your armors, etc., can amplify certain builds. They want to make it so that you can build Aloy into the badass killer you want her to be. So if you're just like I'm, staunchly in the field where I want to do melee combat, or I want to do traps only. Apparently, from what was said, they're going to have builds that allow that. So not only this, you know, just not only gear, but in the skill trees, they're going to allow you to build out m- to a much further degree uh, your skill sets to match how you want to play and your fighting style. But also, as I said, the gear is going to be tailored to different builds. So you won't just go, oh, I just want this one because it's got, you know, more strength, more defense, whatever. You're going to go, no, 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 no. I am an Aloy Trapper. That's what I do. I trap, 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 set up all this craziness, watch them all come in and blow up. Well, there's supposedly going to be armor now that's going to help you with that in mind. And I can't wait for that. I love it when there's, uh, first off, detailed builds and setups that can make me unique from anybody else. Mainly just mad because that's the only person I really play games with and do anything with. But it's fun to see the differences of how people are playing and what they come up with that makes them unique and fun. You know, everybody's played Borderlands. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's so it's so cool to just naturally build your character up and become you, unique. And it sounds like Horizon Forbidden West, based off this new gameplay and interview, that's going to be the case. So I just wanted to get that out there. I wanted everybody to be aware that that's something that they're talking about. And now the big one that everybody else was talking about, because last time around, Zelda Breath of the Wild came out when Horizon came out. And everybody went over and played Zelda Breath of the Wild. We all know I don't particularly like Zelda Breath of the Wild. I just it's not my jam. But the open world exploration... The ability to climb, do anything, go anywhere, hooked everybody. And when they came back to Horizon, you can't do that. It's more of a tailored experience. The environments do look amazing and are enormous, but you can't actually climb every mountain. You can't actually go over every hill. It is blocked off with the typical video game kind of lines. This time around, they wanted to open up way more. Now, it isn't going to be Breath of the Wild open still, they said. However... They have many more climbable areas, which to make things even easier for you, if you use your little scanner, the Aloy scanner thing, Pulsar or whatever, it'll scan out and it'll show you now all the different climbable like routes. If you know, obviously, if you're within proximity of them, so you'll get that. But not only that, they wanted to give your arsenal a kick. And allow you to traverse the environments faster, quicker, more easily. So now you got a glider similar to that in Breath of the Wild. So you can jump off those ledges and go fly in and sneak into the camps, do all sorts of cool stuff with that. You get a grapple shot now as well. So if you see something that, you know, a quick jump up, poof, grapple shot, whoop, right up you go to it. Now you can use the glider to go down. Obviously you still have your climbing skills, as I just mentioned, and your, of course your repelling you know, hook, that kind of thing. The gameplay which I encourage you to go over to IGN and check out, showcases the traversal that uh, Aloy now has, and I'm sold. It does indeed really feel like you're going to be able to traverse way easier, way faster, way more smoothly through the environments, and it's particularly in the glider. The, uh, gli- the glider was just such a, a huge change in games because now you get to that mountain and you get annoyed because you get all the way to the top, taking the time to climb, taking the time to traverse and do all this stuff, And then you'd have to either kind of cheat and just go down. I don't want to say cheat, but a lot of games, they they gave you that kind of, well, hey, look, here's this convenient hook thing that'll get you down quick. Or worse, you'd have to actually just grumble, trumble all the way back down. But being able to get to somewhere really high and then looking out at these beautiful vistas. Because let me tell you. This game looks gorgeous, just simply gorgeous. You get to these giant hills, these these mountains, whatever, and you're looking down, and you're seeing the environments for just miles out. And that is awesome. And now that you can glide, now you can be like, all right, well, I know I got to get to this camp over here, and I'm supposed to kill the leader without killing all of the villagers. Well, hey, look, all I got to do now is glide in. I know generally where this individual is going to be. Boom, pop, drop in, shoot him in the face. Run out, mission accomplished. You don't have to do all the sneaking if you don't like sneaking, you know, behind buildings, crawling up on the roofs. That ain't your jam. This gives you another option to handle business. More options is better. More ways to get around better. All good news for Horizon Forbidden West. And, of course... I would be remiss if I didn't say that they got new monsters going in there. So these dinos, these robot dinos, you're going to see more varieties of them, different ways to take them down. You're going to see some of the famous ones, the cool ones, all coming back, of course, from the original one. And then the way they're utilized and the way they uh, have evolved, there's going to be all sorts of cool stuff there in that regard. More ways to take down the baddies, more ways the baddies can take you down. Story-wise, you're gonna get all these different environments, these different folks, these different people, which you've already seen in previous, um, you know, showcases for the Forbidden West. But they they kind of talk about it a little bit here. Just great stuff. I mean, I just go watch this video if you're interested in Horizon or all at all, and I think it'll sell you because everything in there was looking really, really good, and I'm just super motivated to get into February so I can get my hands on it myself. So this will be the last time I talk about it until it comes out, unless something obviously breaking happens, which lastly, I will say, it officially announced it went gold. So this game's in the bag. It's done. It's ready. The street is waiting for it, okay? That's it.
0: So if I had known there was a Horizon Forbidden West gameplay video or whatever Eric was just yapping about up on IGN, I definitely would have expected him to talk about that. But I expected him to have no topic. And so, man, I just... I didn't have anything prepped. I really hope someone can come along and save the day for me. What's that you say? A ding dong? Well, that means it's time for the mailbag. And thank God our buddy Steve Cadwallader came along and saved my bacon because he sent us a gloriously long letter detailing his 2021 Game of the Year awards. You remember, you heard us reading his honorable mentions During our Game of the Year episode, because he did send those in before recording, now he has sent in his actual Game of the Year picks. And I'm going to read them right now because Steve is the man, he deserves some love, he deserves to have his Games of the Year spread out to all the Third Shift audience. So listen up and listen close as I read to you from our buddy, Steve Cadwallader, and he says, ahem, ahem, hey fellas, I'm a few episodes behind, but here's my Game of the Year picks. Number 5. Riftbreaker. RTS games are never going to be great on console, but man did I love them back in the day. Exor Studios did an excellent job with the mechanics of this game, and I had hours and hours of fun. Unfortunately, the final wave of the game was obscenely outbalanced in my opinion, so I never beat it, but it was a blast up to that moment. I really enjoyed the deep skill trees and researching every last thing. Number 4. Rainbow Billy. This is a family-friendly pick I can play with my daughter. It's a colorful little platformer, but what makes it stand out is its confrontation mechanic. Instead of fighting someone, you have a verbal confrontation. You listen and respond to their issues and help them work through them. It was actually quite educational and taught things like what motivations could be behind a bully, how you could help them see things in a different way, etc. I was really impressed by the uniqueness of this, the number of different personalities that you encounter, and I feel like it was a good parenting move to play it together. Now, I am not a parent. I, uh, I know nothing about parenting moves. But I remember talking about Rainbow Billy. It was one of my releases however long ago. And I remember thinking, this is so cool. And I love the conversation mechanic and, jeez, everything he did just say about it. So, follow Steve's suggestion. Play it with your kids because it's a beautiful, non-violent style of game. Continuing on with his list, because, oh, man, I got stuff to say about this next one. Number three, Rain on Your Parade. Another family-friendly pick. You're a cloud that goes around causing chaos and solving little puzzles. Simple and a lot of fun. We kept playing even after we beat it. It's worth checking out if you want something easy. Absolutely it is, Steve. This one was just outside of my honorable mentions. It's one I had so much fun with. Not only do you have the cloud, using rain and lightning and stuff to perform cloud-based activities, but the parodies of popular games Inside that style of game, wonderful, and just a great time all around. And it's on Game Pass, so you can play it for free. You don't have to take my word for it. Back to the list. My man Steve, coming in hot. Number two, Cyberpunk 2077. Similar to you guys, I had a great time with this game, despite the bugs. It had a ton of content, a cool world, and I really enjoyed the main storyline. This game was really ambitious in its scale, and while yes, it was overhyped, It also wasn't just another RPG, in my opinion. I'm looking forward to coming back to it someday down the road when a DLC comes out and it's more polished. Absolutely, Steve. 100% agree with you on that one. Which brings us to... number 1. The Artful Escape. No surprises here, as I've raved about this game already. No game gave me such a euphoric moment this year, so it had to win the award. It wasn't a long title, but it was long enough. Anything longer would have diminished the experience, in my opinion i absolutely agree with you steve you hit the nail on the head what you said about it before was 100 percent spot on so is that especially that last bit which i didn't even think about if it wasn't any longer it could have kind of gone on far too long but it closed on such a high note and you i'm not going to spoil it for anybody but when you did the thing at the end and you became what you were supposed to be oh beautiful moments all around so thank you, Steve, for that fantastic and very timely and saving my baconly edition of the mailbag. We always love hearing from you, and we always love hearing from all the rest of you out there in podcast listener land. So send us any kind of feedback at all, any kind of questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to say hi, if you just want to check in with us with your games of the gear, just like our buddy Steve did, send us an email at thirdshiftme at gmail.com, on the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme, and find us on Facebook under Third Shift.
1: That's right, Matt. You can find us on all those wonderful little areas. You can also find us over on the Facebook. I'm still there. I still take a peek every once in a while, in case you're wondering. But if you don't want to go there, you can also go to Patreon. Yep, that little old place. Tip jar. That's what we treat it like. We've told you a thousand trillion times over all these years. If you like what we're doing, want to help support us, buck two bucks, three bucks. You get a few bucks in there. You get some cool extra perks. You get a couple little extra episodes. It's awesome stuff. It's a good time. We appreciate you if you go over there and throw a buck in. Keeps the bills paid. Keeps us rocking and rolling. It's very, very, very much appreciated. Thank you to all who have done it in the past and will in the future do it as well. But if you can't do that, you can also support us by going over to iTunes, Spotify, giving us those five-star reviews, mailbag questions, just like old Stevie did, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we're actually in person again, unless Matt's going to do it. I don't know because we're not together today. I'm so sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But any you can support us with all of those things and just interactions on Twitter, having a good time, any any kind of fun to be had is good times for us. and We, we love hearing from you and hanging out with you. So definitely keep it up. Keep it coming. We appreciate it.
0: And oh, baby, I don't know how Eric's going to throw it back to me for the last bits. So I'm just going to say you can listen to the very next episode, which will be dropping on the 3rd of February on iTunes, on Stitcher, on and on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it.
1: And I would tell you guys for sure, you know, get over them iTunes. I told you already in the the previous little snippet. We need those five stars that feeds us, helps us, makes us grow, makes us strong, gives us some strong bones. You know, I need some strength right now. You know what I'm saying? My body's trying to kill me. All right? If y'all want to prevent me from dying to my own body's corruption you should consider giving us them five-star ratings on the Spotify, on the iTunes, because it helps us out a bunch and gets us in the eyes and ears of more human beings. Holy Joseph,
0: Thank you. And with that, there's nothing else to say but... Da,
1: don't forget to say... <laughs>
0: Down. Don't forget to say.